Welcome to Addressing Alaskans, where we feature community conversations around South Central Alaska. Join us on Alaska Public Media as we travel throughout our community and listen to local groups discuss what matters to them. Good afternoon, I'm Ammon Swenson. Today's show features a community conversation from the Alaska Black Caucus discussing and celebrating Juneteenth. The 19th of June has long been celebrated in African-American communities to commemorate the end of slavery. Earlier this month, President Biden declared Juneteenth a federal holiday. This program includes a moderated youth discussion from the Alaska Black Caucus that was recorded via video conference on June 20th. We'll close out the hour with an episode of Counter Stories from Minnesota Public Radio called A Reckoning for Juneteenth. Here's that conversation from the Alaska Black Caucus. My name is Taylor Mitchell. I am an Education Committee member of the Alaska Black Caucus, and I'm going to be the moderator for today's conversation. I have uh, people with me today, Umi, uh, Victoria, and Cyrese, who are going to be our panelists, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with them today and to have everyone else listen in um, and participate. Um, and how it's going to go today is I'm going to ask the questions. Our panelists are going to get an opportunity to answer those questions, and and then we will go back and forth from there. So, um, so my first question to my panelists is, what do you think of Juneteenth finally being recognized as a federal holiday um, and signed by President Biden? What do you think of that? So we will start with Umi. Umi, give us your thoughts on that. Hi everyone, my name is Umi. I'm 16 years old and I go to Bartlett High School. I personally am super excited that Juneteenth is finally being recognized as a federal holiday, but even though it's being recognized as a federal holiday, we still need more changes to come because I feel like this is just like the icing on the cake. Like there's so many things we need done. Like this shouldn't distract from the bigger picture. I feel like I feel like the government is kind of just kind of dishing this out. Like it's so good to recognize and acknowledge our ancestors and all like all they went through. And especially now, like that is a federal holiday. I know it will push a bunch of people to do research on Juneteenth and really come to terms and really learn the true horrors of slavery. I definitely agree with that. I think, like you said, it is the the icing. It's the tip of the iceberg. There is a lot of work uh, to be done underneath, but it's uh, finally a, a good starting point. And like you said, for people to research. Um, so I'll go to Cyrese. Give me your thoughts on, you know, what do you think about Juneteenth being made a federal holiday recently? In my opinion, I still think, you know, it's a federal holiday. We still need to do more because even today, we're still being treated like diff we're still being treated differently than other people just because of the color, color of our skin. I we need to do more about it. It's, it's like just because this they, President Biden made this a federal holiday doesn't mean that we are truly free still. We still have a lot to go. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Victoria. Hi everyone. My name is Victoria. I am 20. I go to Talladega College in Talladega, Alabama. Um, I was super excited when I heard that President Biden was going to make Juneteenth into a ho federal holiday. Um, I am so glad that it finally came one because I can't wait to celebrate with my friends and family. Like I did yesterday, it was something that brought, it brings enjoyment to my life, and it's something that I enjoy. I I, I really do it every year, and it's, I, 
it's something that I remember doing it when I was a little kid. And it's something that I think that I'm glad that other people can experience too. And I hope my children can experience it as well as their children's children. Awesome. Thank you guys for um, those comments and thoughts. So my next question is, um, in some families within the Black community, and especially in our education system, we're taught about the Emancipation Proclamation um, and the importance of that. Um, but in addition to that, Juneteenth has never been taught really in conjunction with that. So for my panelists, do you all feel that Juneteenth should be taught um, with the Emancipation Proclamation? Um, Umi, give me your thoughts. I feel like there's a lot of whitewashing of our history in the education system. Um, I feel like they make it more palatable. So instead of like expanding upon the Emancipation Proclamation and saying, oh, although they did this, there were still injustices. For example, keeping the slaves in Texas, even though they were quote unquote free, it's supposed to be in 1863. Absolutely. Victoria? Hi, um, so I think it's incredibly important uh, recognize Juneteenth separate from the Emancipation Proclamation because it Emancipation Proclamation was just on paper. It didn't put action to its words, and for them to actually do that in Juneteenth is important for us to the uh, to remember it because it was something important in history that we have to remember. Because if we don't remember it, it won't, and it will probably repeat itself. I agree. Definitely agree. You all raise, again, really good points, really important points. Um, and I hope that uh, within our education system on, you know, state and federal levels that the, you know, Juneteenth, Juneteenth is taught in conjunction with the Emancipation Proclamation and expounding on that. Um, and including that, yes, while, you know, having this proclamation on paper, great start, um, but the realities of it also need to be taught that everyone wasn't free, uh, everyone didn't know they were free, um, and we still had a lot of injustices being done to Black people, which leads me into my next question. Um, what are some injustices, um, hardships that you see still facing the Black community today? Um, and let's start with Victoria on this one. Um, so some uh, black, black Americans face so many challenges to becoming free, um, so like racism, inequality, poor um, health care, and police brutality. And it's shown all throughout history about all those things. And it's just shocking. And that's something that you have to learn. And without learning those things, you no one will tell you. And especially if you don't go to these schools like HBCUs that help you understand what you need to know and know your history. Umi, what are your thoughts on, on hardships, injustices, things that Black Americans face even today? To expand on what Victoria said, um, there are a lot of hardships still going on. Like just as simple as walking down the street um, even if you're crossing paths with someone, someone might switch to the other side because they have the negative connotation of Black people. Or when you enter, like, let's say Target, I saw a couple months ago, a Target somewhere in the South, they had the um, darker shades of, like, makeup and foundation locked away. Those are all injustices that we're facing and lots of microaggressions that are even, that it's even it's even more present now. Like even, even though the Trump era is over, they're more present now than ever. 
Yes, I, I agree with that. I think microaggressions are, are a big thing in, in the way that uh, our society has things just taking, like you said, the example in retail, in makeup, in different things, the placement of products, um, you know, why should Black people, let's be real about who are using the darker shades, why should Black people have to ask someone to unlock the cabinet to, you know, get out the shade of makeup that they need? So those microaggressions are still alive and well. Has Juneteenth been something that your families have traditionally celebrated, or is it something that is relatively recent for you to celebrate? And let's start with Umi on this one. Over the years, our Juneteenth celebrations have grew larger and larger. Before, we used to just do like little, like little, like um, get-togethers. But now it's like, now it's a whole reuniting like community thing, and I'm super excited about that because now we're learning even more. Now with more access to like internet and stuff, um, we're able to do more research and really connect with our roots and know like, you know, this is what it is. And like, this is what our people fought for. And it gives it a lot more meaning and makes celebrating even more worth it. Victoria? Yes, um, my family has always celebrated Juneteenth and has always been part of the community, community to help celebrate it. And um, we also celebrate it with our church as well. My family has a different perspective. Like we don't, there's a reason we don't celebrate it, not, not as much as we did, because after a while, they saw like, it's like, okay, we get to celebrate it, but we still need to go back and know it wasn't just the good, we don't need to know just the good times that happened, but it was also the bad things that, always, that also happened to us throughout that. That's understandable. Um, I definitely see the, you know, two sides of things when people choose to celebrate Juneteenth or not um, choose to celebrate Juneteenth because it is a, a holiday that is marked with celebration, but there's also a lot of pain associated with Juneteenth. And there's a lot of pain, obviously, associated with, you know, African-American history in our country. So um, I can definitely see how um, the different approaches to looking at Juneteenth and celebrating Juneteenth. Um, so my next question is, what do you all feel about uh, people who get upset about those who choose to celebrate Juneteenth? I know that in the news recently, um, those within the Black community and those outside of the Black community, um, especially with Juneteenth being passed as a federal holiday recently, a lot of people were genuinely upset about that um, and just upset about, you know, okay, we have the 4th of July, you know, okay, so now we're, we're giving you Juneteenth. Why are we doing that? We don't need another holiday. Um, so let me start with Victoria on this one. What do you think about people who are upset about people choosing to celebrate Juneteenth um, and, you know, just that being a, another holiday? Um, I feel like they have the right to their opinion and they can um, work on the day. It's holiday now, they get paid time in the hospital pay time and half they're working so they get a benefit anyway they're working on that day and um, I don't see a problem with it you you're, I don't see why they um why they can't it's their choice I I know personally I will celebrate it and always have fun because I know I'm celebrating something I'm free and I'm celebrating with my ancestors couldn't and so I'm having fun. Umi what are your thoughts? 
I personally believe when it comes to people outside of the Black community criticizing Juneteenth being passed as a federal holiday, I believe that it's rooted in anti-Blackness because I believe that if it was a different holiday that they were passing, um, then the community outside the Black community would be happy. They'll be like, oh, we get, as Victoria said, a day off from work and stuff. But because it has to do with Black people and Black joy, and Black history, I believe that's why they're so upset. That makes sense, that makes sense. Um, Cyrese, what are your thoughts? I totally agree with um, Victoria. Like, they can have their opinions about it, but we still have the right, like, we have our own rights to celebrate it. And like, some of us do wanna be, if we do wanna be upset about it, they have their own rights to do it too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I definitely agree with everything you all said. Uh, everyone has their right to celebrate or not to celebrate. That's one of the joys of being in our country and having freedom. But I do also agree that uh, people outside of the Black community, uh, sometimes they get upset um, simply because it's something that is Black related. Um, and I personally have heard a lot of comments from people, especially especially recently um, that are, you know, basically, okay, we've given you something else, you know, okay, now what more do you want? Um, and I think that that is deeply rooted in the uh, issues of racism and um, anti-blackness that we have rooted in our country um, in certain in certain people. Um, and I saw a question in the chat, which I think is, is a great question. Um, should Juneteenth be commercialized? So we've commercialized every other holiday uh, to some extent, right? Um, you look at Christmas, you look at Thanksgiving, uh, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Cinco de Mayo, Fourth uh, of July, um, all of these holidays, you'll see decorations in the stores, uh, you see the commercials, you see obviously a chance for people to get together. So in you all's opinion, um, do you think Juneteenth should be a holiday that is commercialized, I would say to the extent as you know, all of our other holidays that we have. Um, and let's start with Cyrese on this one. Definitely, for sure, because we need to spread the word about it so more people know, like the, all, the, all of the world's Black community so they all know about it. Okay, Umi, what are your thoughts? I'm kind of torn on this subject because although it's nice to be commercialized and like have it spread out there, I also believe that there's that there's negative side to it because there will come with misrepresentation um, and then the true meaning of Juneteenth would be lost in that way to make us so commercialized and be able to um, be given to the general public. Makes sense, makes sense. Victoria? Um, I believe like I see both sides. I see that there's a negative point of view where it can be overused, it could be used in a negative way, um, but I see the educational side where that we can maybe do a short skits after like shows or 30 seconds, 50 seconds that just be, be in people's brains that this happened, this was history and that people know about it. Um, but the, the negative side is that people will misuse it and make it as something fun. And it's not something, it's something serious, but you have to understand that it's a history that we have to celebrate. I agree. I think I, I, I also see both sides of, of the struggle of the holiday. Um, and I think that yes, it should be commercialized to the point of, 
of where, yes, people know about it. It's something that is recognized. Um, it's something that is held to the same level as any other major holiday that we have. It shouldn't be, you know, held in less regard. Um, so I think from that standpoint, um, it should be commercialized to that extent. But with anything, people will misuse things. Uh, people will find some alternative meaning or find some negative association um, with it. Um, so I think that that's the, the struggle with commercializing things and remembering, especially within the Black community, why are we celebrating Juneteenth? Why are we recognizing this? What is the purpose of this? And not losing that purpose within the Black community, within ourselves. Um, and I think that that's something that sometimes we can lose sight of in the Black community. Why are we celebrating this? Why is this important to our people? Why is this important to our culture? Um, so my next question is, um, I know that in Anchorage specifically, um, that we've done, you know, some um, Juneteenth related things. And I know just this, you know, yesterday uh, with Juneteenth, we had, you know, a really great Juneteenth celebration. Um, and it was a good time for vendors to be there, for the Black community to get to see one another, to socialize, to support Black business, um, and to have that celebration aspect as well. Um, so in you all's opinion, do you think that in Anchorage specifically, um, do you think that more should be done um, in terms of educating the public on Juneteenth? Do you think that we should do, you know, more um, Juneteenth related celebrations, maybe different partnerships um, with different businesses, that kind of thing? Cyrus, what are your thoughts about the efforts, you know, being put forward in, in Anchorage? Like we should teach like the next generation, like after we die, we should teach the next generation about it and so we can keep on going throughout. I agree with you guys and in that same vein um, in supporting Black business um, I know that there's a lot of discussion and I see some of this in the, the comment section as well um, about using Juneteenth and just even outside of Juneteenth um, to support Black business and to make sure that uh, as Black people we are taking care of each other and we're taking care of our community. Um, so what are you all's thoughts on um, shopping Black, supporting Black business? Um, do you think that that's something that more people should incorporate into their daily lives? Um, do you think that it's something where, you know, especially on Juneteenth, we should see a surge in, you know, a togetherness in the Black community, a surge in, you know, people supporting Black business, a surge in, you know, uh, increasing Black money. Um, so let's start with Umi on this one. What are your thoughts? I am totally for supporting Black-owned businesses. Um, since the big um, since the big movement for Black Lives Matter last year, I have switched to just Black-owned businesses, like besides like the stores, like food. But like when it comes to, like my hair care, when it comes to like going to the beauty supply store, even the clothes I wear, like for example, the hoodie I'm wearing is from a Black-owned business. All of my skincare stuff is all from Black-owned businesses. And I believe during Juneteenth, we should see an increased surge because we want to circulate the Black dollar and we want to keep that money inside of our community because if that money stays inside of our community, it will help us better ourselves and we'll be able to invest it in our own people. Tyrese, what are your thoughts? Definitely for sure, because 
my mom's always told me to, to always support black business businesses no matter what because before we before we didn't know that much about it i guess i could say that we didn't know that much about it but then after a while we started to grow and grow because us as black people we wanted to better ourselves in a way like yeah better ourselves so it's better to support black owned black owned businesses so we can support and grow and keep growing our money I completely agree with the other panelists, and uh, I think you have to you have to shop for black with with or for with black owned businesses because you have to support your own people. Um, even though sometimes it's harder because you're traveling and it's Alaska, uh, like you, sometimes you don't know people. It's always like Facebook Marketplace, you can find new people. And I found so many people on there who are just trying to start the business, like SD and all those little shops that you're just trying to branch out, and it's important. It's important to support them. Awesome. Um, I, for myself personally, um, you know, shopping uh, black wasn't something that I primarily did. And it wasn't because I didn't want to support the black community. It just wasn't something that I necessarily thought of. And I think that that's true for a lot of people, especially within the black community. Um, it's not that people, you know, don't care about black people or don't want to support our community, but it's just, you know, I think in the, our culture and our education system, the way, you know, our families, how we've grown up, it's just a combination of a lot of factors where we aren't necessarily taught to make sure that we're good, that our community is good um, and making sure that we're taken care of. And so I'm like Umi where I've also done a, a switch of, you know, supporting small businesses uh, more, supporting black owned businesses more and making the switches where I can make the switches for myself and being more conscientious of finding those black businesses, finding those small businesses because they're out there. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the big, large box, you know, store retailers and things like that, they get a lot of the commercial time and air time and, you know, people are very familiar with them. But I think something that we can all do within the Black community is, you know, spread the word about each other's businesses, support those businesses, um, and really get the word out to be able to, again, kind of keep that, that money within the, the Black community. Um, so my next question for you all um, have any of you experienced racism in your school or discrimination in your school or, you know, seen that um, done to someone that you know? Um, I know that, you know, the Anchorage School Board, um, I've been to, you know, their meetings um, and, you know, that was a big thing was the anti-racism anti -racism and instructional equity policies, which are things that the Alaska Black Caucus was championing along with other um, entities within our community. And, you know, there was that pushback within our own community that, you know, racism, it's Alaska, doesn't really happen that much. Um, and, you know, it's not really a big deal in our schools, you know, it doesn't really happen. Um, and, you know, my pushback to that is just because you don't see something doesn't mean that it's not there. Um, so I want to hear from you all. Do you all have any personal experiences that you would be willing to share um, about racism or discrimination injustices that have either been done to you personally at your school or in your community um, or that you know of personally? Um, so I will start with um, Victoria on this one um i have not personally uh have any forms of racism to me towards me um and i have heard of other people's uh, experiences that's personal to them um but i have noticed that it's just getting more dangerous out 
in like just in the world and right now in Anchorage, just like just for people of color. Um, and it's just it's scary. And it's something that's not even just racism. It's just like it's just it's bad and it's happening at right now after like the pandemic and everyone's outside. And something to be awareness to, and that not only that because we're black, we're going to get targeted. So it's it's hard to realize that you have to come to realization. Does it have to be from like this current school that we are at, or can it be like any school we've gone to, like in the district? No. Yeah, yeah. Any any school. I just want to, if you want to share a personal experience, I think that it's important for people to hear. So um, a couple of years ago, I attended a school, I'm not going to say the name, but I experienced a lot of racism from the students. And although I have reported it many times, um, the students received no, um, they were never corrected for their behavior. So then it got to the point where I would, I would cry every day. I didn't want to go to school. And then my mom had to step in and confront the individuals. And then she went off on them. She was, I'm not going to say what she said, but once we reported it to the principal, the principal punished me instead of the students for my mom's actions towards the racism that I was experiencing. I was called darky, dirty monkey, said I looked like a pig, said go back to Africa and all types of racial slurs. I've been called the N-word and stuff. And my cousin who attends a school on Southside Anchorage, um, he experiences racism almost every day being there from microaggressions from the students to microaggressions amongst the teachers. And he expresses this to me all the time. Like I was on FaceTime with my cousin before I even um, came onto Zoom with you guys. And my cousin was just telling me how, oh, I'm not excited to go back to school. I know now like with all this stuff that's going on, it's going to be even worse now. Cyrus, did you have any experience that you would be willing to share? It was when a lot, I had a lot when I was in elementary school. It was like, my mom's told me that there's two things that that happens because of because of just as a as black people as a whole for me she said number one is that you're black number two is that you're a man so every single time in elementary school it was like the teachers like like all the teachers were white there so every single time I was there they would like they would look at me with disgust in a way disgust in a way like they'll make me just they'll put me in the back of the class and they like I'll be raising my hand and they won't even look at me at all and it's like it was just hard throughout throughout all of elementary school then a lot more happened but I don't want to talk about it right now so can I, I just add on to what um, that is? yeah absolutely I feel like this happening like I totally agree what Cyrus said I feel like what like how the teachers um they neglect the students and they um perpetuate their racism onto young students um it ties into the prison to pipeline um thing it causes um black students to shut down they and they cause them like not want to raise their hand anymore or just keep to themselves which also pushes for like social anxiety and mental health disorders i 100 percent agree with that i definitely think that um like i said just because people don't see things happening um doesn't mean that it's not happening and i think that there are a lot of our young black students um, who are suffering, who are being, you know, a part of uh, racially related incidents, who are being discriminated against, um, who are being disciplined uh, when they shouldn't be, 
or being, you know, harshly disciplined when they shouldn't be. Um, and I think that there's a lot of that happening, which does lead to mental health issues, which leads to withdrawal, which leads to depression, sadness, all different kinds of things. And when we're looking at uh, just looking at the Anchorage School District and our numbers of Black students who are below the bar on reading, writing, math, all of our core subjects where our Black students are doing significantly worse than all of our other students, these types of things play into why some of our students are doing poorly. It's not because black students are stupid or they're not capable or you know the, the, the curriculum is too hard. That's not it at all. Um, there are a lot of factors that people don't necessarily consider. And I think that bringing light to the experiences that you all shared I want to ask a, a, a positive question. What name uh, some Black Americans um, that have inspired you? Um, and that can be in your own personal community. Um, it could be on a national level. Um, who are some positive Black people that inspire you? Um, and let's start with Victoria on this one. Um, Amanda Gordon, um, Michelle Obama, and um... I was gonna say, um, I love my auntie, Tanya Taylor Winchester. She's one of my as well. I will also say Michelle Obama, but also Maya Angelou. Well, I only have one, because I've always looked up to him. It will be, well, two. Mm -hmm. It will be Malcolm X for sure. And also my dad, because he taught me a lot. Awesome, awesome. And my last question uh, for tonight uh, is, what is something that each of you can do um, to either help raise awareness in the Black community on Juneteenth um, or just something that you can do to help the Black community in general. Um, and so I will start with Umi on that one. I believe that I could um, get a group of panel members just like this and just have open discussions and maybe do like an art project in the community. I love that, love that so much. We're gonna, I'm taking note of that right now. Um, Victoria? Um, I would try to invite, I would try to just invite some people that I know who may not wanna go out and go to Juneteenth, but I would try to say like, hey, it's just to celebrate um, and to, to bring awareness and to try to do what I can for where I'm at, um, in my point of view. Okay, and Cyrese, we're gonna close with you. It will be like, Fundraisers, fundraisers to raise enough money, a lot of money for all like black communities, black communities and black businesses to help us grow as a whole. Awesome, I love that. Thank you all for um, your openness and your candor, uh, your honesty and being willing to share. I think that this was an excellent conversation. That was a youth forum from the Alaska Black Caucus discussing Juneteenth. Now let's finish off the hour with an episode of Minnesota Public Radio's Counter Stories. Juneteenth is officially a national holiday in the United States. All this happening while groups throughout the country try to ban critical race theory in schools. We dig into just some of the nuances of this topic on this week's Counter Stories. It's our favorite time of day. Welcome to Counter Stories, a podcast by people of color, for people of color, and everybody else. My name is Luz Maria Frias. I'm Deputy Attorney General for the state of Minnesota. Any comments and opinions that I have, 
during this podcast and all our podcasts are solely my own and not to be attributed to my employer. Don Eubanks, associate of Dendros, Malak's band member and cultural consultant. I'm Anthony Galloway, executive director of Arts Us Center for the African Diaspora and senior partner at Dendros Group. And I'm Halili, owner of the Other Media Group and producer of Counter Stories. Well, we've got a quite a bit of uh, material, I think, to, to discuss uh, in this segment. We'll start off with the fact that Juneteenth is just a few days away as of this recording. And we have seen, at least in my circles, uh, a, just an increased amount of celebrations by mainstream institutions that are now celebrating and promoting Juneteenth. And I want to hear from you all how you feel about that. I know I was surprised when I saw a local mainstream co-op, and I won't uh, put their name on air, uh, with an email in my inbox uh, celebrating Juneteenth and then, of course, uh, putting some some marketing materials along those lines. And I, I just thought, hmm, this is not something that I've seen previous to this year. Is this as a result of the racial awakening, if you will, that has transpired since the murder of George Floyd? What is going on? And at the same time, we're seeing some missteps and stepping back. So talk to me, folks. How are you feeling about this? Well, I, I have to weigh in right away just because a lot of work had um, has been done on the ground and behind the scenes to just get these proclamations forward. This isn't the first time that um, states and even our federal government has um, people have brought forward something uh, to the tune of honoring um, Juneteenth. And I think I think our, our current racial reckoning has absolutely has something to do with with the willingness and the want for folks to try to step forward and be on the right side of this. But I, I don't want to miss the groundwork that it's happened all over the uh, country for years. I mean, even when I was in high school, I was in a play written by Rose McGee called Kumbaya, the Juneteenth story that was trying to spread this message and, and spread the word about Juneteenth that was happening in communities across the country. And so um, I just, I just want to make sure <laughs> that we don't, uh, that we don't forget that there had been groundwork trying to move towards this moment. Now, whether or not folks are sincere and finally go along with it now versus others, I'm absolutely down for that that debate and to, and, and to critique that. But there have been people pushing for this for a long time. Indeed. Uh, and I think too often it fell on deaf ears, right? Um, the The work mm -hmm. as it is is incremental uh, and takes uh, decades, if not generations, to come to fruition uh, before we actually see something. Declaring Juneteenth the national holiday obviously was cool, although late. Um, but it just, it confuses me because at the same time as everybody's saying, let's celebrate Juneteenth, they're trying to put a bosh on um, critical race theory in schools. So I don't, I don't you know, I feel like... Uh, I don't know what to say about that. It's like one, it's like two opposites. It's like you're doing something really great on one hand, but at the same time, you're like stopping it from being taught in schools. Hmm. Not to mention the opposition to the 1619 project that's also exactly. being critiqued yes. all over the place. 
That's right. That's right. You've been listening to Counter Stories. I'm Luz Maria Frias with crew members Don Eubanks, Anthony Galloway, and Hilly Lee. Support for this show is provided by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. For our full conversation, please visit counterstories.com. Well, you know, this, uh, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me insofar as there are many examples uh, in community and mainstream where you have these opposing, polarizing views and actions uh, by mainstream folks. Um, I know here in, in uh, our little community, there's a, a group of community folks who who have uh, kind of created, we're now, I think, the third or fourth annual Juneteenth celebration. And, um, and you know, the fact that now it's recognized as a national holiday, I think more importantly, you know, I think a lot, most people just don't know what Juneteenth is. And, um, um, but I th also think that, you know, how many, how many businesses do we know or places do we know that, uh, you know, Martin Luther King holiday is a holiday, but how many people do you know have to work on that holiday? Mm. You know, mm. I mean, uh, mm. you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of businesses that don't honor um, uh, Martin Luther King day as a paid holiday and, and uh, require their uh, employees to come into work. And I know June 19th doesn't always fall on us on a Saturday. Um, so it will be interesting to see how that actually plays out in the workplace, whether or not people are actually given that day off as a holiday, paid holiday. Don, that's a really good point from the standpoint of employers extending then a holiday because a holiday is, me is meant to be time away from your workplace. And certainly there's a segment of our community where they continue to work through holidays, most holidays, uh, retail stores and grocery stores to, to some degree, maybe they have a half day or a partial day uh, where they're open. Um, if there's a federal holiday, you have federal governments uh, and institutions associated with that. The post office, um, which is not a federal government agency, but still nonetheless will close. Banks will often close for these um, holidays. But yeah, right now we're not seeing a whole lot of movement there with respect to allowing your workforce to take that day off in observance of that holiday. Well, you know, to to that point, there there there's an interesting thing here that's that's going to be coming down the pipeline, and I think this idea of of what kind of conversations we are allowed to have, and I big air quotes on the allowed to have, because you know, as as we think about Juneteenth, it's going to force us to have to contend with a, a, a something each year that we didn't have to mm -hmm. think about before. There's going to be all of this resistance. Why this holiday? Why do we have to look at this? And this in particular, I think, matters per our previous conversations on counter stories, because it, again, forces folks to have to deal with something that's extremely nuanced. One, that um, the federal government had to send General Gordon Granger to Galveston, Texas, because people were moving to the southwest 
to the southwestern states to keep slavery going after the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, so, so that's one. Two, folks are then going to have to understand why Black folks celebrate this particular day and 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 why the celebrations matter. Um, and so there's that level of nuance. And then there's the actual general order number three that was read by General Gordon Granger, which, yes, tells the people of Texas, informs them that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. And But then it goes on to say, um, and, and, and it establishes equal, uh, absolute equality of personal rights and, and of property between former masters and slaves, but then it also goes on to say that freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. So even in the proclamation given, there's this undercurrent that people keep trying to trying to bring forward that has been consistent in our country that says even when we try to do something right, like passing a national holiday for Juneteenth, in there, within therein also lies all of these systemic patterns and coded language that we've been talking about that have to be at the table. So I just, I, I, I am expecting a whole lot of, of racist rebuttals just, just because of this thing that we're doing because of the convergence of the racial reckoning. Now, I wonder if, if folks did start getting that day off, would they care more? Should Juneteenth not fall on Saturday? Because uh, people love to get a day off, right? Would they care more now that they might be able to get a day off work? You know, Haley, I love that you're raising that question because historically, you're one who says, you know, you you don't believe in, <laughs> in optimism. So yes, yes, I'm seeing that. I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, there are people who are like, oh, now I, you know, now I get this day off. I don't, I don't really know why. Something about slavery. And then it's an opportunity to educate yourself and to educate your friends and family around you who might not know I, about this. I love that you're being so optimistic about it. <laughs> but but I'm going to, there's a little bit of a role reversal here. <laughs> Too often when these holidays take place, people don't take time to do anything. Let's, let's use uh, the Dr. Martin Luther King holiday as an example. How many people who take that day off do anything in celebration or in honor and remembrance of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? Aside from sharing something on Facebook. And Twitter. Right. I mean, that's that's really if that right for for a large part of our uh, society. So um, I, I I do share your optimism, but I think there's some uh, reality here that that has to come into play. I also um, so I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. <laughs> Keep it going, though. Keep it going. We love it. You know, this also raises another question for me which has also been something that has been trending of late. Uh, it's been, of course, in the background, um, but it's more relevant as, as employers now start to reopen their doors and have people return to the office. So, and I'm talking to a segment of our population who are not in facing customer service type of positions. So, they're not in retail. They're not in restaurant. These are folks who are office workers, for lack of a better word, right? 
so when I when I have seen these posts and and had conversations with my friends who are largely bike park, um, folks are saying they are not wanting to come back into the office because working from home has allowed them some safe space to be free from these nuances, Anthony, that you're talking about. These these awkward conversations, the microaggressions, you know, it's every summer, you're inevitably going to have somebody say, a white person say to either someone who is Latinx or someone who's black, say, I'm almost as dark as you, right? I mean, that has mm-hmm. happened so many times to my friends and family that, that folks are just tired of it. Uh, the other nuances, of course, is just what you alluded to, Anthony, in terms of the meaning of Juneteenth and folks uh, having some gripe about that and and pushing back on that. Working from home during the pandemic has allowed BIPOC folks who are office uh, workers, for lack of a better word, the safety. Well, I think um, one one thing, and again, I keep coming back to the historical piece, right? So first and foremost, let me say, I absolutely feel that um, that kind of equity breath or that break that that, that can be taken from, from, from doing that. And also just understanding that a job can be done from home, right? Um, and so being more intentional about what can be done from the office and not, um, you know, and being able to make those decisions. I, I want to point out that when Juneteenth happened, um, and folks, particularly in, in the Galveston area, where the proclamation was read, where the general order was read, began to immediately um, start to mark the occasion and celebrate. Um, and they chose uh, they chose the color red, um, which has particular significance for actual Juneteenth celebrations. We got to remember that people have been celebrating Juneteenth and holding festivals um, for for since 1865, and so or around 1866-67. So um, it's not new in many Black community circles. To what degree it was celebrated, you know, here in Minneapolis, we used to have a big festival, and then the festival got real commercial, and that's all the reasons. Why, why folks kind of abandoned it um, as an activity, but I have a feeling it's going to come back around. But there were traditions that were held. And it was interesting. If you go back and look at the newspaper articles, uh, people were writing articles like, oh, well, it was actually a pretty orderly event. And they sang um, uh, wonderful hymns and, and you know, you know, folks they they really know how to keep it orderly and 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 there was this 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 air of of passive aggressive uh, racist judgment on the ability of folks to even celebrate their own holiday. So fast forward to what you just shared, Luz. There's a direct connection of folks experiencing this assumption about the abilities of folks of color um, that absolutely have weighed on folks, and they've gotten a breath from that. Um, and those interactions by being able to work at home. So I actually, there, there's there's actually a really pretty clear historical connection. The, the only other thing I'll offer here is I'm starting to see in the responses to what is coming up uh, around Juneteenth, the, the rebuttals that we talked about earlier, um, uh, uh, other examples of, of, of tokenism <laughs> um, that I think the history of those newspaper articles and the first Juneteenth celebrations underscore. And that is, well, look at how good they are. So the, for the folks who decry racism on one side, well, look at these, the, you know, this this model minority over here. Look at how, well, so-and-so made it. Lose, you made it. Therefore, you know, why do people keep screaming historic racism? You just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. 
um, and get get to do hard work. If you work hard, you'll you'll get there. And so the systemic racist stuff is is BS. There's also a break from having to deal with those kinds of things by having being able to work from home and not have to engage um, in that way. And so I, I think there's some re- there's some really interesting pieces of nuance to what you just shared, Luz. You've been listening to Counter Stories. I'm Luz Maria Frias with crew members Don Eubanks, Anthony Galloway, and Hilly Lee. Support for this show is provided by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. For our full conversation, please visit counterstories.com. I, I want to move on, but I can't until I, I say this um, with respect to what you just said, reading this, you know, these old uh, articles in newspapers with the term orderly. I mean, that to me, when you're using that to describe a black community, it's, it's, it's a dog whistle, right? It's a, it's a complete dog whistle because what, what it's inferring is that this is an exception to what you would typically see in the black community with respect to a celebration or a gathering of, of any sort that, that they tend to be not orderly. Um, and, you know, it, it's offensive to, to hear that um, framed in the way that it was framed. And, and I know you didn't, you didn't write it. You're just, you're the, just a messenger. So I'm not here trying to knock on you, but uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it just never ceases to amaze me with, with that respect. Yeah, I was just um, gonna bring up uh, an incident that happened, you know, recently, um, and not that it was widespread, but in in in, in and while it was an isolated incident, I think it just kind of touches on touches the surface of the topic of what we're talking about. But in Ohio, there was a Memorial Day service where uh, a lieutenant, a retired lieutenant colonel. From from the army was uh, given a speech. He you know he had been invited to a a, a veterans ceremony for uh, Memorial Day, and in that speech he had uh, information in there where he was talking about how the uh, freed slaves um, played a role in creating Memorial Day, where in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Um, After the Union troops took control, uh, some of the Union troops had been, you know, um, captured and and, um, were kept in a camp and many died and they were kind of just massed buried. And and so the slaves in uh, Charleston dug those bodies up and gave them a proper burial. And in that had a a celebration to properly bury these Union soldiers. And that's often cited as, you know, one of the beginnings of a Memorial Day. Well, when he got to that portion of his speech, the organizers of this uh, Memorial Day celebration turned his mic off for two minutes because they didn't think that was uh, germane to their celebration honoring mm-hmm. their veterans at yep. their location and turned his mic off for two minutes when he came to that portion of the speech. And he thought it was a mistake. Exactly. You know, the thing is, is the, the organizers of that event, two of them have resigned. 
right? Because of this issue, because this happened, because they're silencing him. Isn't this the same thing as people trying to get critical race theory to not be taught in schools? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's, I mean... like, it's the exact same thing. Am I wrong? Like what? I think they all drank the same Kool-Aid. <laughs> it's, it's the exact same thing. And, and, and this is what is infuriating and not just on the critical race theory side, right? But, um, the the central mechanism here has to be connected throughout history, has to be connected. White, predominantly white responses, and I say predominantly white responses because this type of dominant cultural supremacist uh, kind of response to any shifts that give uh, power or preference to, to those harmed um, by our historical actions, it's been consistent not just here in the United States, but across the world whenever you you have any place that has a dominant culture in and in, in a, in a culture that has been marginalized. This is another form of, of, of policing, right? This is the way in which we try to police who can say what, because if we abs acknowledge the reality of what is, what comes with that is having to acknowledge the collective shame of our past experience. Now, understand that that shame does it not mean that you or were there, you were the one who made the choice, you were the one that made the decision, mm -hmm. but understanding that our history is this <laughs> means something. It means that despite everything I want to think about my own American mythos of, of pulling myself up by my bootstraps, I have to also acknowledge that somehow there was something outside of my work that is responsible for some of my success. And if I ha if I acknowledge that, that means I'm not as, as, as central. <laughs> I'm not centered. And that's a hard thing. This is something that has been part of all of these historical responses. And we have to understand, and remember back to your orderly comment, Luce, earlier, people of color, in particular Black folks in the United States, have been the most orderly. <laughs> let's just talk, let's be clear. When we talk about who's been disorderly, um, uh, it hasn't. Black folks haven't massacred whole towns and cities of people. They haven't uh, uh, perpetrated genocide of indigenous folks. I mean, if we want to really um, talk about what disorderly looks like, we have examples. They don't burn a city down when their baseball team wins. Right, right. Building entire cities down when the baseball team wins, or you know, walking into a church and and, and killing a whole bunch of innocent folks because. You've got a, an armed weapon with you, you know, which is... is and then being cost. able to walk out alive and unharmed. That's oh, right. Oh, or walking through deeper. a crowd with with an automatic rifle, as in Kenosha, Wisconsin, unscathed. Like, but that, with, that gets, with complete permission, right? It gets that much deeper, though. And I have to... Let's talk about Dylan Ruth for a second. Um, so Mother Emanuel Church is an AME church, so that's where it strikes close to home to me as a a minister in AME church. We have to understand that's not random. That church was rebuilt from the church that was burned down under a massacre of Denmark VC, who was collective, who was meeting with groups of folks, inclusive of white folks, to to again build coalition. And folks called it a planning meeting for a slave revolt. And this is mostly freedmen, mind you, by the way. And Denmark VC and his crew are, are massacred. The church is burned down. It is then rebuilt by that same community later. And that is the church that Dylan Roof targeted. So I, I think we, we have to really understand that when we're, we're talking about Juneteenth, we're talking about all these things. 
These are historical patterns that are so consistent, you can count on them. And the historical pattern, yes, and the historical pattern over the centuries is that repeatedly black churches are burned down, right? I mean, dating into the 1800s, into the 1900s, and, you know, now we're, we're uh, 2000 and, you know, 21 here, and we still see black churches being burnt. We see mosques being uh, burnt mm-hmm. as well, right, and attacked. And, and it, it is that pattern as, as you... In synagogues. And synagogues, mm-hmm. thank you for that as well. Um, you know, I, I can't help but to, when we talk about uh, the example that you shared, Don, of, of this speech in, in celebration of Memorial Day and, and its uh, inception and having um, the Black community be just a big part of how Memorial Day came to be as a federal holiday is the beauty of social media just did not allow that to go unscathed, right? The beauty of that amplifying that um, instance and it backlashing, right? Folks thought that, okay, if we silenced his microphone, no one's gonna hear the message. Well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the message was amplified a million times over, you know, because they did that. And so, you know, I I love it when um, these examples take place and it it works against them uh, because it it needs to, it needs to really bring about the change that we need and elevate the atrocities that uh, have historically gone unchecked and and um without any type of repercussion and this isn't just a a a black and white issue either like i feel like everybody should be concerned about what we're not being taught in schools if we're not being taught this history that is such a huge part of american history what else are they not teaching us in schools that's a that's a tenet that's a a tenet of critical race theory called counter stories that's right that's right (laughs) i don't want in 30 years for somebody to say what I just said about not learning up about these holidays, right? So you have these holidays, you get them off school, you get them off work, and to you, it's just a day off, or it's a festival, right? Like Cinco de Mayo, like, oh, let's all just go down and get some good food and hang out with some music. Like, so it, it's just, you know, we, we live in a world of information at our fingertips at all times educate yourself, educate your family, educate your friends, because otherwise we're going to be back here in 30 years having the same conversation about why didn't we know these things. I don't know about you, but that's uh, that's not something I want to do in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's, uh, let's make our next national holiday Election Day. Hey, I'm Ooh, with you. I'm with you 110%. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that would be amazing. Thanks for joining us today for Addressing Alaskans. You can find more episodes on the Addressing Alaskans page on alaskapublic.org. For Alaska Public Media, I'm Ammon Swenson. Addressing Alaskans is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Theme music is by Patrick Lee. The views expressed are those of the hosts and participants and do not reflect KSKA or its underwriters. To let us know about an upcoming community event that you would like to hear on Addressing Alaskans, go to our website at alaskapublic.org and click on Contact Us at the bottom of the page. Life Informed. This is Alaska Public Media.